0: Well, good morning, church. My name is Tim Bedall, and I've got the great privilege of uh, saying to you one last time, at least for the foreseeable future, open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. For almost the last year, 44 weeks uh, to be exact, we have opened to this Gospel that is written by Jesus' best friend, the Apostle John. And John has written in such a way that he wants us to meet Jesus. And we've met Jesus. In fact, at the beginning of this gospel, we meet this Jesus who is unlike any other that we've ever been in contact with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Jesus that we've met is one of a kind this jesus that we've met is the one who created us he is the one who knit us together in our mother's wombs he is the one who has purposed our lives even before our first breath is taken that god that person of jesus christ made a decision to do the absolute unthinkable thing In verse 14 of John 1, it says that he made his dwelling among us. He put on flesh. He met us. He interacted with us. He talked with us. He walked with us. He laughed with us. He cried with us. He did life with us. We have met this Jesus. John has told us about this Jesus. But even more than just meeting Jesus or having some glancing interaction with Jesus, we have noticed also that we have learned from Jesus. John has told us that Jesus did a great many things, many of which are recorded here, but not all of them. And they are to declare this simple truth, this Jesus who is God, who put flesh and lived amongst us, came that you and I might have life by trusting, believing, and hoping in his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus came so that you and I might have life. And everything points to that moment and that time where Jesus came to save us from our sin. Now all of this, the meeting of Jesus, the learning of Jesus, and learning about Jesus, should lead us to something and that is to trust to believe in jesus 90 different times in this book john is going to say that someone did or someone should or someone will believe that is to put all their faith all of their hope all of their trust in Jesus. It is to take the uh, proverbial eggs in our basket and to put them all into the basket of Jesus. Believing he is our only answer. Believing he is our only hope. Believing he is the only way back to God. 44 weeks. 44 weeks we have sat under this teaching from Jesus' best friend and it leads us to a moment of truth a moment of truth those moments in time Where everything seems to hinge for the future? Depending on that decision or that action you make in that moment declares and Demonstrates how life is going to be lived out in the moments to come for the student that moment of truth is final exam time That moment where we are uh, evaluating, did we listen to the lectures? Did we take the right proper notes? Did we do all that our teacher uh, wanted us to do, prepare us for that moment, that moment where all was going to ride on that class, on that exam, at the end of the year? Within the relational world, uh, this moment of truth is seen when a young man gets on one knee and proposes and pops the Question. In that moment, that moment of truth, decisions are being made. Will she? Won't she? What's going to happen if she says yes? What's going to happen if she says no? That moment of truth is critical and crucial to anything moving forward. How about in the courtroom? In the courtroom, it is that moment when you stand before the judge awaiting the words guilty or innocent. Those words will send you in a trajectory one of two ways. How about in the world of business? For some of you, the uh, crucial moment of truth is you presenting something you've been working on for weeks, months, maybe years, and presenting in that moment, in that room, to your customer. Have you been clear? Have you been uh, in such a way uh, that you've explained what you're trying to sell and been uh, compelling enough for them to buy the service or the product that you're wanting them to buy. In that moment, it's the moment of truth. When it comes to baseball, probably the most significant moment of truth is the bottom of the ninth. You're down one run. There's a full count on you, and the bases are loaded. What is about to happen in that moment is the moment everybody pays top dollar to see that moment of truth. Will he hit it? Will the pitcher strike him out? Who is going to win the game? Moments of truth, crucial moments. Well, we come today at the end of our series out of the Gospel of John to a finale that is a moment. Of truth and this is so important after spending all this time in this gospel we need to stop and we need to reflect a part of what we've seen and what we've heard from John and we need to ask the question what are we going to do with it write this down John has declared some truths about Jesus John has declared some truths about Jesus now it's your turn to decide This is where we find ourselves this morning. We are at a place where we need to decide, will we believe in Jesus? Now, this is what John says. Turn in your Bibles to John 20, and we'll be in verses 30 and 31 for a moment. John 20, verse 30 and 31. This is what John says. In my Bible, it says this is the purpose Of this book here it is now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book but these are written so that you may believe that you will make a conscious decision to put all of who you are into the hands of your Almighty God and by believing you're believing a couple things about Jesus to put yourselves in the hands of God is to believe, first of all, that Jesus was sent by God, that he was the anointed Messiah. He is the Christ, the promised one. And that he is, in fact, the Son of God. Believing that truth about Jesus, all that John has recorded about Jesus, to believe that is to have life, vitality, uh, vibrancy, health, in your spiritual life because of his name. Now, John has declared things. Turn to John 21 for a moment. John 21, verse 24, a second to last verse of this entire gospel, and this is what John says. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. He's saying, my name is John. I'm the one who's telling it, and I've written these things, and I know that my testimony is true. John knows what he's recorded is true. He knows what he's experienced. He knows what he's seen. He knows what he's been a part of. John knows that what he's been a part of wasn't a bunch of special effects. It really happened. He really experienced these things. And now John hands it off to us and he asks the question what is your decision going to be? John as history would tell us as the rest of the Bible would tell us John would dedicate the rest of his life now John was a much younger man than Jesus probably a teenager when Jesus died John would dedicate the rest of his life he would outlive all of the other disciples and Apostles and he would live to about 90 A.D., about 60 years after Jesus died. For those six decades, he would dedicate himself, even though he was beaten, tortured, and abused, even though he was deserted on an exiled island, John would hold fast to this truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior sent to save sinners and he would put all of his weight all of his hope all of his trust on that now the question is this morning will you and i do the same to understand where we may be at on that journey i want to look at three things but i need to tell you right away that in submitting my outline i screwed up and I put point two as point, or point one as point two, and so this is where we're going to start. We're going to start with point two, go back to verse one, uh, uh, point one, and then we'll finish with point three. Okay, so let's look at uh, what is my first point, your second point. We know that we believe first and foremost when we trust, when we trust or are trusting the works of Jesus for salvation. Now you might say, especially those who have been around the church world for a while, wait a minute, the works of Jesus? No, we believe in one finished work, the work of Jesus on the cross. That's what saves us. That's what makes our sin as white as snow. And the answer is yes to that. But let us remember there were two other men who died on crosses that day in John chapter 18 where it's recorded by John. And those two other individuals we don't give a lot of time and attention to but this one in the middle we seem to put a lot of focus and attention to why would we make so much of this man in the middle who died on the cross and the answer is because of everything he did prior to the cross you see all that Jesus did prior to the cross is what gives us evidence that we can put our faith in him who died on the cross and so John writes his gospel in such a way that declares these works that Jesus did. He declared seven of them, seven signs or miracles. And these miracles, each of them addressing, first of all, who Jesus was, his power and his strength, that he was holy and solely able to address what concerns us. And number two, While these miracles showed Jesus in his greatness, what it showed us was our great need. We are a needy people, and these miracles serve as signs to that. Let's just remind ourselves where we've been in John chapter 2. We see that Jesus changed water into wine, and in doing so, Jesus shows us he's the answer to every one of our disappointments. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus healing a nobleman's son. And we see Jesus there as the answer to our doubts or any doubting that we have in this world. In John chapter 5, we see the healing of the paralytic, the one who had been paralyzed for more than 30 years. And we see in that miracle that Jesus is greater and he's the answer to any difficulty that you and I face in this world. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 hungry people. And Jesus there proves that he's the answer to every one of our desires. Every one of the things that we yearn for, Jesus is the answer. Later in John chapter 6, the disciples would get on a boat and while at sea they experienced this great storm and we find there then Jesus addressing the storm of their life that he is the answer to every moment of our despair. Then in John chapter 9, we see Jesus heal a blind man. And it is here that we see that Jesus is the answer to the spiritual darkness that blinds us from seeing God and Christ in all their greatness. And finally, in John chapter 11, we see Jesus come and visit the grieving family of Lazarus. Lazarus, who's been dead for four days. And here we see Jesus raising him from the dead and it is here that we are reminded of the truth that yes jesus is the answer even over death itself jesus is a great god but you know none of those are the most amazing miracles that jesus did listen every one of them are temporal in nature In John chapter 2, the wine would eventually run out. In John chapter 4, the nobleman's son would get sick again. In John chapter 5, the 5,000 whom Jesus had fed loaves and fishes in a matter of a handful of hours would be hungry again. The disciples inevitably would have ended up on the sea when storms would bring great waves and tumults. And yes, even Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, would eventually die again. All of these miracles are great and wonderful. And the problem is, as many of us today say, I would have more belief, I would have more trust, I would have more hope, I would have more peace if I could see these things happen. And yet what John seems to declare is that these serve as signs, he would call them. Signs. In the Greek, they are, uh, it is the word samion. In the Latin, signum. It is where we get our English word signal, insignia, signature from. It served as a identifying mark, it was to prove something, it was to serve as something to follow. And so, the miracles of Jesus, these works of Jesus, inevitably were the dots on the treasure map to where we would find treasure. And if we would start connecting these dots, we would inevitably get to the treasure that we're looking for. What Jesus has done is he has declared that he is the greatest, he has demonstrated that greatness through miracles. Those miracles have served to remind us of our great need and Jesus being the great answer. Now, the greatest miracle of all time is recorded in John chapter 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And Jesus says that he has come to allow men and women, young and old, to be born again. That is that they would experience new life in Jesus Christ. He would say this is the reason why God called him to go into the world, to save the world from its sin, to give people new life. And so it begs the question this morning after seeing all of these incredible signs and miracles done to ask the question this morning. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you stopped? Is there a moment in time, a moment of truth, that you have listened to what has been declared about Jesus by me or someone else, and you have come to a moment in time where you have said, yes, I believe. That you would say, what I have read is true. And because of that I'm gonna put all of my sin I'm gonna put all of my life I'm gonna put all my expectations and my dreams everything on to Jesus who is able to save me from my sin and lead me to life everlasting have you done that what an absolute shame it would be if after almost a year of hearing about how Jesus is the Savior of the world, that you would come and go, come and go, listen and hear, only to walk away. Jesus says that all we need to do to experience the vibrant life, the abundant life that he's offering, is to believe. And so brothers and sisters, if you've never done that, you can do that right where you're at right now. You can pray a simple prayer that simply says, Lord, I know now I'm a sinner. I know that I'm lost without you. And I need you, Jesus, and I believe the words that have been taught to me about you, that you are Savior, you are God, you are King, and so I take all of my life and I give it to you knowing you can do way better than I can with my life, and I'm going to follow you wherever you will lead me. And if you pray that, it isn't so much the words, but the act of submission that Jesus says, I will come and I will be your Savior and I will be your Lord. If you are thinking that or praying that, I would ask that before you leave today, you would come and talk to me. You would go to the Welcome Center and talk to them. Talk to the person sitting next. You talk to someone and say, I have asked Jesus to be my Savior. I'm going to do something that I don't do, and I'm going to stop in the middle of my message, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that those that have done that would experience the goodness of God, even in this moment that they've asked Christ to be their Savior. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray now that your Holy Spirit, that you would lead and guide people to yourself. I know, Lord, that there are a great many people who have already done this, but I know in a group this size, there are no doubt some maybe here for the first time or have been coming for a short amount of time or maybe been here this entire time, Lord, and never up to this point given their life to you. And I pray today would be that day. Empower them by the Holy Spirit. Give them courage. Give them faith. Give them the grace that they need to know that you are their Savior and that you love them and that you died on the cross so that they might have life and have it in all abundance. I pray they would tell someone about it. I pray that they would uh, ask questions so that those around them might lead them to an even greater walk with you in the days to come. We give you the glory for saved lives and we do so in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's look at point number two. Point number two. Believing in Jesus, doing what John says, involves taking the words of Jesus seriously. John wasn't just focused in on signs, but he also keyed in on what Jesus said. And in this gospel, we say see seven I am statements of Jesus. We've walked through each of them as we've come upon them, but let's, let's see them in their totality. And once again, Jesus is declaring truths about himself, but there's also something for us. That we are to live differently as a result of encountering this Jesus. In John chapter 6, we are told that Jesus is the bread of life. In John chapter 8, we are told he's the light of the world. In John chapter 10, we are seeing that Jesus is the gate or the door. He's the good shepherd again in John 10. He's the resurrection and the life in John 11. He's the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. And he is the vine in John 15. Like these signs, they declare something about who Jesus is and what he has done. But even more than that, we can't just simply see these as declarations about Jesus but they are declarations of how Christ's followers are to live. In order to experience the life that Jesus wants us to have, we need to take these words seriously and apply them to our lives. That's why I like what Pastor Warren Wearsby says about these I Am Statements when he says, The I Am Statements recorded in Scripture reveal the depths of the Christian life and how God's children can go deeper by living with Jesus in the present tense, meaning right now. So these statements are a roadmap to how you and I can have vibrance and and vitality in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it goes like this. As a Christian, we need Jesus to feed us. We need bread in this life, and we need bread in our spiritual lives, and it's Jesus who will sustain us. It is Jesus who will give us the nutrients we need as we take him in. We need Jesus because we're lost. We're lost, and so we need light in a dark world. We need the way, in a, way in, a, in a world that says there's lots of ways. We need a gate, a door to enter this life, and we need a good shepherd to lead us and guide us every step of the way so we can experience his resurrection life in the here and now. And what that involves is the final one in John 15, that we need to be connected as branches are connected to a vine. We need to abide in Jesus, and that involves daily interaction. That involves us being deeply and intimately connected at all times to Jesus. And so, yes, these are self-declarations about who Jesus is, but they are also a roadmap to how you and I experience the fullness of Christ each and every day. So the question is, now that we have trusted Christ as our Savior— Do we take these words seriously? When Jesus says these things about himself, do we believe them to be true? And I will tell you that that's along a spectrum. For some of us, we might take and leave these things. For others, we may do them in a serious way. But if I'm really honest, if you're a lot like me, you vacillate between one or the other to take the words of God seriously are to recognize that apart from Jesus, you and I can do nothing. So we wake up each and every day taking these words seriously and saying there's not a moment, there's not an event, there's not a transaction that I can do without the grace and mercy of Jesus. Therefore, I'm inviting him in and so as i get up every morning i'm inviting jesus into my life with my wife with my children i'm inviting jesus into my life and how i spend my money how i invest my time how i utilize the energy and the abilities god has given me if i take the words of god seriously then being with god's people And being involved in God's word and in activities that God has called me to be a part of become part and parcel to my life. That wherever I'm at, at work, at play, in home, in the community, everything that I'm doing is seemingly following Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. It is one thing to say we believe, it is another to live that belief out in action. So brothers and sisters, as we close out this Gospel of John, take the words of Jesus seriously and apply them to every part of your life and I will guarantee you, you will not be saddened or disappointed. John says, I'm modeling my life after Jesus. Did it mean it was easy? No. Did it mean there wasn't hardships and trials? No, there were a lot. But at the end of his writing to the church in his three letters, John would say, there is nothing greater in all the world than to be loved by God and to live in the light of Jesus. And this moment of truth Are there things, are there decisions, are there activities that you are living outside of the realm of Jesus that He's calling you to bring back under His sovereignty and under His lordship? We need to take the words of Jesus seriously. Finally, we need to tell the world about Jesus, our Savior. John writes 21 chapters. 21 chapters about his best friend. John has lived with Jesus, and the only thing he can do is tell people about it. He would dedicate his life to this. He would be beaten and abused for it. But it didn't matter because the greatest story that he could ever tell the world was about Jesus. Not himself, not about his activities, but about his Savior and Lord. So for these 20 plus chapters, he has gushed about his best friend. He has introduced the world to his best friend. He has told the world all about his best friend. And he has told them because he loves his best friend friend which then leads us to ask the question if in fact we say we believe and if in fact we say jesus is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us then how is that truth compelling us to tell the world about him How often do we leave this place fired up and go into our communities and go to our neighborhoods and go to our families and to our workplaces and schools? And we can't stop but tell people about Jesus. Gush about this best friend that God sent in the world to save us from our sins and to save the world from their sins. The Gospel of John was not written for us to hold it in our grasp and not to give it away. In fact, the most evangelistic verse in all of the Bible is in the third chapter of the book of John. Jesus, talking to Nicodemus, said the following about this God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that everyone who believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life that verse contains the greatest lover loving to the greatest degree to the greatest of companies he did so with the greatest of action giving the greatest of gifts which enables the greatest opportunity and it involves the greatest simplicity into him who is the greatest attraction and because of that we have the greatest assurance that we will not perish And it makes the greatest difference in our lives. The difference between being dead in our sins and alive in our Savior is the greatest difference we can experience in this world. And we have been given the greatest promise and the greatest blessing in all of the earth. And that answer to that greatest verse in all of the Bible is Jesus. And so the question is, will we tell others? The question is, who needs to hear this? I did it in the first service. I didn't die. I did it in the second service, and I'm still here. So let's do it in the third service, all right? I ask people to declare a person who needs to hear that message. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna stop talking and I'm gonna give you the opportunity and all I'll do is ask you to raise your hand and give the first name of someone you know, someone close to you, maybe who you work with in your family, in your community that needs that message, needs that gift, needs Jesus as their savior and then we're gonna stop and we're gonna pray for them. So who, who has a name of someone that needs to know Jesus? Please. Yeah, right down here. Helene right before Patricia you had your hand up okay hopefully not me brother thank you yeah Yeah. Yeah. Gabby Gabby. way in the back Carol Steve Steve. right down here Robert Bob Bob, okay yeah Sharon. Sharon back over there young man say the first name Denny, all right. Donnie, in the back. Helen. Helen, thank you. You're so so noisy usually. Now you're quiet back there, Mr. Hazeltine. Yeah, John. Dennis, right over here. Michael, over here. Uh, uh, go ahead, uh, Miss. Go ahead with. Yep. Josh, right behind you. Nina and Phyllis, Joan, Michael, Tom, any other ones? Yeah, we got a couple more. Mackenzie, Mackenzie. anyone else, yeah? Okay, okay, we'll be praying for them. Yeah, in the back, Nikki, okay, okay, Okay. Julia, last one, okay, okay let's take a moment and pray for these individuals father god we come before you and i ask that you would by your spirit that you would start to make inroads for these individuals that they might see and they might experience what we have experienced what we've seen that they might taste what we have tasted that the lord is good And so, Lord, if it means you've got to bring some trials and difficulties into their life, Lord, while uh, we know that that can be painful, we know you use those trials and difficulties to bring people to yourself, Lord, that you would use us. So, Lord, I pray that we would find unique opportunities and experiences to be able to speak to them. Give us courage. Give us what we need, the words to say that we might share the testimony of how Jesus has changed life our lives and how he can change those around us thank you for these individuals and their courage and i pray a special blessing on each of these names and i look forward to the days and weeks to come of hearing how those individuals have taken steps closer in believing you and putting their faith and trust in jesus we do so in the name of jesus christ our lord amen now let me give you an assignment for those that have given names Can I encourage you to text them? Can I encourage you to call them? Can I encourage you in this week to make a moment, a commitment to a moment that you will talk with them about Jesus and share what Jesus has taught you, what he has shown you that you would teach and show that to others, amen? So how do we close out this series out of the Gospel of John? We give God glory. God sent his son Jesus so that we might be saved. And that by believing in him, we might experience the abundant life that God always wanted us to have. Sin has messed it up, but God in his grace and mercy sent Jesus to come and die that we may have life. And that we might share this life with any and all who will listen.